Joshua, uh, the book of Joshua in chapter number 4. Joshua chapter number 4. And uh, I want to continue uh, somewhat where we were at this morning and uh, give you the, uh, the burden the Lord's laid on my heart in Joshua chapter uh, number 4. And uh, thankful for how the Lord helped us this morning and uh, how He ministered to our hearts. And I don't ever want to get over the presence of God. Amen. And uh, there's, uh, there's a danger in this hour to become familiar with the things of God. And I do not want to become familiar with the presence of God. Amen. Because it's only by His grace that He passes by our way. And I sure am glad that He sees fit to do so. And I give Him the honor and the glory for it. Joshua chapter number 4. And we're going to begin reading this evening in verse number 1. And the Bible says, And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take ye twelve men out of the people, and out of every tribe a man. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence, and out of the midst of Jordan, and out of their place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones. And ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place, where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, listen now, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Look down with me at verse number 14 where the Bible says, On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests to bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks, and as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day, the first month, and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over Jordan, this uh, came up over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, and the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we were o- gone over. In verse 24, that all the people 
of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it might that it is mighty, and that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. We looked this morning talking about when the nation of Israel crossed over the Jordan River and how that when they crossed over the Jordan River, the Lord told them, He said, look, I want you to take you 12 stones and I want you to uh, put those stones in the river. And then He said, I want you to take stones. Finally, they took stones and they put them in Gilgal. And He says twice in Joshua chapter number 4 that the reason why He wanted them to take these stones was because He wanted to use these stones as a memorial. And what that memorial would speak of is those stones they put in the Jordan River. Those stones would speak of of where God had brought them from. And then he talked about the stones that they placed in Gilgal. And that would speak about where the Lord was taking them to or where God had brought them to. And we talked about this morning how uh, that we need to set up some memorials that remind us of where God has brought us from and where God has brought us to. I'm glad uh, this evening I can report to you uh, that I know where God has brought me from and we can rejoice in the fact to thank God of where He has brought us to. The old saying goes, I know I'm not uh, what I should be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. Amen? And I want to say this when we think about the nation of Israel. Uh, there may be a lot of faults you can find in them and no doubt uh, their resume is full of faults. But there's one thing you've got to say about them in the text that's before us tonight. They're not where they were before. Amen. Uh, but now, thank God, they've crossed over of uh, that Jordan River and the Lord has commanded them uh, to set up some memorials. I remind you what a memorial is. It's, a, it's for a reminder or, or to help you to remember what God has done in you. Your life. I want to say this evening that we need to be setting up some memorials. Why? Because he says in the text, he said, because there'll come a generation that'll ask you, what mean these stones? I want to be faithful doing my part to set up some memorials in my life. That when the time comes, my children can say, what means these stones? But this is what I want to look at tonight for the next few minutes. On, about this memorial. And how important we all would agree that these memorials are. And this morning we talked about the reason why they had memorials. Where God had brought them out of. Where God had brought them to. But if these memorials are so important. I want to know how I can set up some memorials in my life. And we'll find within this text the Lord gives Joshua and the nation of Israel some guidelines, some instructions on if they're going to set up some memorials, if they're going to have some places of remembrance, if they're going to have some reminders in their life, there's some things they need to be doing in order to have some memorials. Now I believe we can learn tonight from what they did on how we can set up uh, some memorials in our life. I hope tonight you're interested on how to be a memorial maker. How to be a monument builder, if you would. How to see things in your life. Listen now, uh, that there'll come a generation one day that they can look back over your life and see some places where God uh, did some miraculous things in your life. Let me say, when I begin to look at this tonight, I'll give you three things and we'll be done. I want you to notice with me about on how to make a memorial. I saw in the text... Uh, first of all, tonight I saw when it comes to the nation of Israel and them making memorials, I saw uh, that there was a task that had to be performed. 
There was some task that had to be performed. See, God is going to give Joshua, as He gave him some assignments before they crossed over Jordan, He's also going to give them some assignments now uh, that they've crossed over Jordan on how to make some memorials. I don't know about y'all tonight, but I sure am glad uh, that our God not only asks us to do things, but I'm glad He gives us the steps, the instructions, uh, the guidelines, if you would, on how to fulfill that which He wants us to do. I thank God for that. I'm glad tonight we've got an instruction book. Amen. I'm glad we got a manual. Somebody ought to say amen. You know what I'm guilty of real bad? My, my, my wife will go buy our kids something for Christmas and it'll be a dollhouse or it'll be a, a toy set or whatever the case may be. And I'll open that up. And you know what I found? Those things never come assembled together. And I'll look at that and I'll, I'll start saying, well, I don't need this little pamphlet right here. And I'll throw it to the side like a good man does. And I'll start looking at that and say, I don't need those instructions. You know what I'll do? I'll start trying to put it together. And all of a sudden, my wife will come in there and she'll see me red face. Come on, somebody help me. And she'll see me mad. And she'll see me about, uh, about, about ready to go kick the dog. Somebody help me. And then I mean, she'll look at me and she'll say, what's wrong? And I say, I'm trying to figure it out. And this is what she's always good at saying. She says, have you read? the instructions and you know a good man a good man don't need instructions somebody help me I'll say I don't need those instructions and all of a sudden a few minutes later she'll come back in there and I was basically out where I was 10 minutes ago and she says you ain't getting any further and I said you know what I can't find those instructions I've been looking for them and I need those instructions but who all would agree with me tonight? It'd do us a lot good. It'd do us a lot better. Instead of us seeking out the instructions be the last thing we do, it ought to be the very first thing we do. Somebody help me tonight. And when it comes to serving God, I'm glad we've got an instruction book. I'm glad we've got a manual. I'm glad we've got some guidelines that God's given us in everything that we need to live a life that would be a memorial. We've got it right before us tonight. And it's in this Word of God. Let me say to you the task that must be performed. God's going to give them some tasks. Well, what's those tasks? Well, look in verse number four. It says, it says verse, or excuse me, verse three, look with me. It says, It command you them, saying, Take you inside of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's foot stood, start with a firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. If you look back in verse number two, it says, Take you twelve men out of the people. And out of every tribe, a man. Verse 4, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe, a man. Can I tell you the very first task that they were to perform, the very first task that God had given them was that they were to seek out twelve men. But notice what Joshua does. That we find that Joshua, when he goes to seek out these twelve men, the 12 men that he chooses were 12 men that he had prepared. Can I say to you tonight, the task, the very first task we find that must be performed is the task of preparation. You see, God had told him, choose you out 12 men. And you know what Joshua did? He found him 12 men that were prepared. You say, what's the importance about being prepared? Joshua knew that if he was going to find somebody to do God's assignment, it needed to be somebody that was ready to do the work of God. Can I say to you this afternoon, it's still the same way in this hour, it's still the same way in this day, that if God is going to use somebody, He's going to use 
somebody that has prepared themselves. I understand that God can use the unprepared in those certain circumstances. But let me just say this. God is looking for somebody that will make himself available and say, here I am, God. Use me. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to use my life. He talks about this preparation. Let me ask you tonight. What are you putting in your life to help you be prepared to do what God's wanting you to do? Let me say, I understand that God will help God. When God called me to preach, I, I realized that, uh, that at that time, He didn't call me to pastor. It was several years later that God called me to pastor my first church. And, and you know what? In those time period, I wasn't pastoring at that time. But you know what God was doing in my life? He was preparing me for what He was going to do in my life. And can I say to you tonight, that's the way it ought to be in our lives. We ought to be allowing God to prepare us. We ought to be allowing God to work in our lives to help get us ready to do the things that we that He desires for us to do. And can I say to you, whether if it be teach a Sunday school class or whether if it be playing an instrument, let me say we ought not do the work of God half-heartedly. We're living in a generation where it's Go by, fly by the seat of your branches and, and just do it half-heartedly. Whatever happened with us doing what God wants us to do with all of our mind and with all of our heart. We served the world and the devil and the flesh. We did it with everything we had within us. And let me remind you tonight, God does not deserve our second best. God does not deserve our leftovers. But it ought to be when it comes to us serving God, we ought to give God our all. We ought to go in gun, stock, and barrel. And when it's all said and done and our life is over, we can look back and say, I didn't give, I didn't give half of it. I didn't give three quarters of it. But I gave the Lord my all. You know what He did? He had 12 men that were prepared. I love this. Because it almost leads you to believe, Brother Donnie, that Joshua had been prepared these men. Joshua may not have known what God was going to do, but he said this, you know what? I got a sneaky suspicion. There's going to come a day when God is going to need somebody. We need to make these men ready for God to be able to use them. Let me just say this. We ought not wait until it, the, the problem presents itself to fill the problem, but we ought to be making ourselves ready now before the problem ever gets here. Let me, say, let me say it like this. They, all, they always say this. They say, if you wait to spray for bugs until you got bugs, you don't wait too late. But you do that preventive maintenance. You, you do that. You do it. You prepare yourself before the problem ever presents itself. You do that preventive maintenance before the problem ever gets there to prevent the problem from getting there. Let me tell you this. You ready for this? Let me tell you how for a church never to go without a piano player. I'll give you all. You know how a church can go without having a piano player? Prepare one. Boy, I, I ought to write a book. Somebody help me. Amen. You know how for a church not to go without a choir leader? Prepare one. You know how for a church not to go without a Sunday school teacher? Prepare one. I think about, I think about, little do we know what this last year was going to hold for Mount Perry Baptist Church. And I, in, my, in my opinion, I don't amount for much, but I believe we lost one of the greatest men that I've ever known. And let me say, this there's not a day that hardly goes by where my mind does not think about Barry Holt. But you know what's amazing? I sat in the Sunday school class this morning. And Brother Mark was teaching. And before, if I'm not mistaken, way before Brother Mark ever got here, he never talked before. Am I right about that? And you know what? God let him 
several weeks ago, went back last year, year before, to start preparing. Little did we know what God was doing at that time. He was working in the life of somebody else. He'll never be able to fulfill Brother Barry's shoes. Y'all help He don't even want to. He don't have no desire to. But you know what? I'm glad, thank God, that God was doing preparation work. God was doing a prepare. We didn't know at the time what God was doing. But ain't you glad that God can go ahead of us and be preparing lives and things we never even knew of? You know what we find? There was a preparation. But I noticed this. There was some pain. There was some pain involved in this task. What do you mean? He said, I want you to take your stones. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to lift them up on your shoulder. Man, let me just remind you, these stones are not little pebbles. These stones ain't little gravel pieces. These stones ain't something you put in your backyard in your patio. Y'all with me? But these were some stones. These were so big that they had to put them on their shoulder. And I got to thinking about that. No doubt this had to be painful. As they get down, and every man had to do it by himself. And I can imagine they get up on that bird and they put that bone and that, that, that stone on their shoulder and they carry it. And no doubt it was heavy. And no doubt as they were going down that Jordan River and they would pick up that stone and they would carry that stone to the place where God had told them to be. It was a burden that God had designated them to carry. It wasn't a burden that He asked the wife to carry. It wasn't a burden that He asked the children to bury. But it was one of those men that God had laid that burden on. And He had to get down there and pick that stone up and He had to carry that burden. Can I say to you tonight, when it comes to making memorials, it may require there to be some painful work. Let me say this. I have learned that sometimes the burdens that God asks us to carry are not easy to carry. Let me say this. There's been burdens that God has laid upon me that He didn't lay upon my wife. He didn't lay them upon my children. But there were burdens that, yes, there's been burdens that me and my wife carried together. Yes, there's been burdens that me and my family has carried together. But I have found out there's been some personal things God's allowed me to carry by myself. But I couldn't go ask anybody else for any help because they were burdens that God had chosen just for me. Several weeks back, I think it was you, Brother Donnie, or it was actually it was my papa who preached on a Sunday night about how God had chosen Simon, Cyrene, to bury, the Bible says, his cross. Talking about the, he was to help the Lord Jesus carry that cross. Y'all remember that? Why was it that it was so amazing that out of all the people God could have chose, He chose Simon to bear that cross. And I remind you that that cross was not something that he had expected. But that cross was something that was unexpected. Meaning that day that Simon showed up at that place where he was at, no doubt he probably never crossed his mind that he would ever carry that burden. Other before the sun went down, before they ever crucified Jesus. And you know what Simon found himself doing? Simon found himself carrying some unexpected burdens. And I say to you this evening, if you're going to make a memorial, it may require you to have to do some painful things. It may require you to have to go to some painful places. But let me say this, when it comes to making memorials, I'll remind you the good still outweighs the bad. Somebody say amen. But how about this? It talks about the preparation. talks about the pain. But in verse number 20, look what he says. I want you to notice this. In verse number 20, when it talks about this memorial, listen to what he says about these stones. And he said in verse 20, And those stones which they took out of Jordan, did Joshua pitch 
in Gilgal. That word pitch is not like what we think of pitch. We think of pitch, we think of a pitcher. A baseball player who throws something, tosses something, gets rid of something. But that's not what this text is talking about. When he pitched, I looked that word up, pitch, it means to be ready. It means to build up. You know what that, that, that shows me? That when this man that was carrying that stone, he just didn't throw it off of his shoulder, wipe his hands clean and leave and go back to doing what he was doing before he ever got it. But you know what I believe? The Bible says he pitched it. That means when he laid it down, that means that he prepared the area where it was at. That means he erected it. That means that he didn't do it half-heartedly. That means he put some effort into it because that was the stone that God had given him. That was the job. That was the assignment that God had given him. And I just happen to believe that that man did the very best he could do because that was the job that God had given him. I imagine somebody would probably say, why are you spending so much time making sure that old stone very beautiful and perfect? Or are you making sure there's so much time to making sure it looks good? and it's pitch perfect and it's right where it needs to be he's saying it may not mean much to you but that's the job God gave me and I want to do my very best at doing what God gave me to do let me say to Mount Parabaptist Church your job may seem insignificant to others your job may seem minute to others your job may be taking out the trash your job might be sweeping the carpet or vacuuming the rugs whatever the case may be but somebody may say that's a minute job but you ought to say I'm doing it not for you I'm doing it for the honor and the glorifying of God. If you're going to vacuum a rug, you vacuum it the best you can. If you're going to lead a choir, do it the best you can. If you're going to sing the special, do the best you can. If you're going to wipe a toilet seat, you make sure you wipe it the best you can because you're doing it for the Lord. They pitched it. I mean, I believe they, I believe that they did the very best they could. Let me say to you tonight, it ought to be when it comes to us doing something for God, we do the very best we can. Let me say this. The Lord challenged me back in 2020 when we were, I'd come in here and I'd preach and there were several Sundays where Brother Donnie would just be me and Brother Barry and I'd preach it to a screen. And I'll be honest with you, it was hard. It was hard. And I'd get in the car and I'd be so disturbed saying, God, I'm preaching to an empty church building. I don't know if they're even watching online. And I remember driving home one night. I was discouraged. And the Lord got to ring my, got to ring me, you know what I'm talking about? And got to sit in my high. Let me say it like that. And got to say, who are you doing this for? Who are you? Are you doing it for a congregation? Are you doing it for a power of that? Are you doing it? You might have to applause of men. If you're on this and you might feel like you was preaching to nobody else, but you were preaching to me. And let me say at the end of the day, well, if you come or if you don't, it ought not dictate how I preach. It ought not dictate the effort I put into it. Well, if I'm preaching to five or 105, I'll to rear back and do what I do because I'm not doing it as unto you, but I'm doing it as unto God. Let me say to you, we ought to get out of this mentality that we've got to have the spotlight and we've got to have our names in the strobe lights and if our, we don't get the recognition in the bulletin, we ain't going to do it. Let me say, if you got that, you're doing it for the wrong reason. But let me say this, we ought to do what we do because we're doing it as unto God and we ought to do it to the best of our ability. And the task, I'm glad they prepared. I'm glad they, it was a painful task. It was a preparing task. It was a pitching task. But let me say this, hastening, there was a task. If you're going to make a memorial, there's a task that you must perform. I noticed this. 
this memorial was not only if you're going to have one, there's a task that must be performed. I noticed this. There's some testimonies that must be proclaimed. You see, this memorial, listen to me now, this memorial may have just looked like a stone. But I got to study this. This is more than just a stone. This was a testimony. It was a memorial. See, everybody else, it was just an old stone. But God had designated these stones to give a testimony. And you know what? If you study, you may not see it in the scriptures, but did you know that these stones had the ability to speak? You remember when Jesus talked to that crowd? He said, if you don't pray, he said, the rocks will cry out. You see, these stones, you know, we may not find their voices in the scriptures. And though we may not see their voices on the page of the Word of God, but can I tell you, everyone, these stones had a voice. And these stones were speaking to people that we didn't even realize they were speaking to. Can I just say to you, that's what God has put us on this earth, is to have a testimony unto those that are around us, that we can lift up our voices under praise and honor to the glorifying of Christ. What, 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 who did they testify to? Well, I got to notice in this, they testified to the home. To the home, preacher. Where do you see that at? Look what it says in verse number 6. In verse 20. I want you to notice verse 6 and we're going to look at verse 21. Look at verse number 6. I want you to see this. Chapter 4 and verse 6. Look at this now. That this may be a sign among you that when their children... No. Whose children? Your children. Ask their fathers in time to come Saying, what mean ye by these stones? Look down in verse 21. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What mean these stones? Do you know who these stones were testifying to? You know where I find the very first place they testified to? They testified to their home. He said, Your children. Where did there come a time when your children? We're going to ask their fathers what means these stones. You know what he was saying? He was saying those of this was public work. It was also a private work. He said, you're not only doing this for everybody else. He said, you've got a mission to your own life. And he said, it's your home. He said, this is going to affect your home. Can I say to you the reason why that we ought to be making some memorials is because of our home. And can I remind you tonight, I don't believe I have to preach a message on this, but I believe you'll agree with me. So goes the home, so goes the church. And can I say the reason, it's, it's not so much the reason why we're living in the day we are, but because of the church not having to listen, or the church not affecting the home as much as the home affecting the church. Because we say this, I only get to preach to y'all about three hours or about two hours a week if you listen. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know what I got to think about that? You know what? You come to church on Sunday, you get about, about 45 minutes in Sunday school. You'll get about an hour of singing and preaching. You get about, probably about on a good Sunday, you probably get about, let's just say roughly, probably about two and a half hours. We'll go three. Probably long it on that day. Y'all know I got a tendency to. We're going to say three hours on Sunday. Then you'll come here on Sunday night. And you know what? Your, your, your teacher on that night may teach, let's say, 30 minutes. Give a little paper, 30 minutes. Three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. Other words, what goes on inside of the local church? About three and a half hours. I don't know 
how to register the dog, but we spend more time out there right. than we do here. Yeah. And I venture to say you spend more than three and a half hours in your home. Yeah. You spend more than three and a half hours in your home in a, in a day rather than in a week. So, let me ask you this. What has more impact, the home or the church? Let me say this. It doesn't matter what they hear behind that pulpit. If we go out there and live contrary to what that word of God does, you know what happens when I, when, I, when I raise my children to do the opposite of what that Bible says? You know what that tells my children? That no matter what comes behind that pulpit, I don't got to listen to it. I don't got to heed to it. Regardless of what the preacher says, regardless of what the word of God says, it has no place in my life. Can I just remind you that this Bible is still our authority? Right. Everything we do, that's our authority. And let me say it ought to be within the confines of that scripture. If, if the Bible says to do it, we ought to do it. If the Bible says not to do it, we ought not do it. And you know why? Because it has an impact on our whole. Yep. He said there's going to come a generation. There's going to come your children one day are going to ask you about these stones. Let me ask you this. Are you setting up some stones that they'll have something to ask you about? Are you setting up some stones? Okay. They'll say, what, what means this, Daddy? I'm glad I never forget. I went to this youth camp growing up. And they took us out back in the woods every night before they had, they, it was a youth camp. They, we played games during the day and we had services, church services, and that was a church camp. And Brother Josh, I remember before service, first time ever went, we went back. Into the, into the woods and they had an altar set up. It was, it was a rock altar. This is what they would tell us to do. So we want you to go find a stone, a rock, pebble, whatever it is. However big you want to get, however small you want to be, find something. We want you to put that on that altar. What that, what that stone is going to represent is your burden. And I can remember as a young boy taking that stone and putting it on that altar. I didn't know what them stones meant. I didn't know what them, what them stones were meant. But every one of those stones was a burden. Listen to now. And somebody else was carrying it. You know what? I'm going to ask you, what does your stone mean? They made it, they felt comfortable enough, they'd say, oh, I'm praying to my daddy that he might get saved. What's that stone mean? What, what, what's that rock mean to you? They'd say, well, that rock right there, I'm praying for God to work in our church. What's that, what's that stone over there? I'm praying for God that he might send me a wife. I'm praying for God that he might. What's that? What's that stone mean right there? I, I'm praying for some health issues in my family's life. See, every one of these stones meant something. But you know what else? Those stones at that time might have been an asking of a prayer. But these stones also one day can represent the action of a prayer. And say so that stone right there may not mean that nobody else. It is something in that home. Let me say this. I say we ought to, we ought to, uh, there ought to be some times in our lives and in our homes where we set up some memorials and our children will be out to ask us, what means that, Daddy? What means that, Mama? First place, it started in the home. I love this. And you have to have been here last Sunday night to get this one. Look in verse number 12. This is not only stone spoke to the home. Listen to what verse 12 says. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gab and half the tribe of Manasseh. Passed over arm before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. Now let me ask y'all something. Or you see at this time, this is Reuben, this is Gad, this is the half tribe of Manasseh. You remember last Sunday night? Going here last Sunday night, I'm sorry. You got to just use your imagination, go with me. 
This was the crowd that was going to have to cross back over because they didn't want to save him for them. You ready for this? They saw them take those stones and pitch them. They went out to battle. Did y'all remember? They had to cross back. Could you imagine when they went back and they walked past those stones? The stones right there was a memorial where God brought us to. They're going in the opposite direction. And then all of a sudden, you know what? They probably got in that George River and started swimming across. And I heard they got back across. The Bible said it filled back up. I don't believe God parted that water again and let them walk across. I believe God said, I've done that once. You might swim back over next time, boss. Yeah. Could you imagine when they were going over those stones? My goodness, it was a whole lot easier the first time. Yeah. And those stones was representing what God did in their life. And they were going back on God. You know what stones have a way of also doing? Great risk has a way of speaking to the half hearted. Great risk stones have a way of keeping you accountable. Because, let me say it this way, if I'm walking this way with God, and this is the direction, and God's laying out some memorials, and God's letting me set up some memorials, it only makes sense if I ever turn back on God and start walking in the other direction. You know what I'm going to have to walk past? Blessings. God allowed me to experience. Walk back and realize that was a prayer class. I'm walking away from God. That was a burden that God let me carry. That's all God answered. I'm walking back on God. Now, I'll tell you this evening, memorials have a way of keeping you accountable. Because when you turn your back on God and start going back, you start passing all those things that God lets you do and let you see. Huh? You know, one of the things I think about, I don't ever want there to become a day in my life, that I don't want to drive down this road. Because when I drive by this church, I have to start on my life. I remember when God used me there. But I got told on God. I got away from God. And I left out of the will of God. And every time I drive down this road, let me just say this. We all know this. You just don't drive down this road just to drive down this road. You drive down this road to go to church. But Jesus has been coming down this road very slim. But you know what I say? Let me say this. I don't want to drive through her to remember I passed through her. And I had to bypass through her because I didn't want the memories to haunt me. Of where I've seen God do things in my life. You know what haunts people when they sit on church pews? Is they remember where they used to be after God. And they're not there no more. And the devil will tell you that's in your past. And you'll ever, you'll ever get that back. Let me just say this. You know, so do that. You can't change what you've done. The scars are there. The wounds are there. You can't, I can't go in my past and change what I have done. But I can learn from it. And say, by the grace of God, I can't change what I did back there. But I can go on doing what I'm doing right now. You say, preacher, there was a time I used to be on fire for God. Well, you can't change that what you used to be. But you know what you can do tonight? You can say, by the grace of God, I can't change what I did back there. But I'm going to do it right now. And I'm going to walk forward. And what life I have left, I'm going to do it for the honor and the glory of Christ. And it's that this. It also spoke to the heathen in verse number 24. That all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that ye might fear the Lord your God. You know what the also those stones spoke to? It spoke to the heathen. Oh yeah. The lost world saw it. They didn't mean much to them. They said, Man, goodness, who, who, who pitched these twelve stones so nice and so did such a good job in Gilgal? Let me tell you about them stones. 
Those stones right there was where God did some miraculous things in the life of His people. Let me say this. I want to live a life that's pleases to God that others, they're lost. Can I say it like this? It's not bragging, not bragging, not boasting, but to the honor of God. But they can look at my life and say, I want His God to be my God. You know what? If God can do that in His life, I want to live my life. Listen, you know those saying goes, you can lead a horse to the trough, but you can't make him drink? That's exactly right. Let me tell you what you can't be. You can't be a salt block. And you get around that horse long enough, and, you, and, he, and he gets around you, and you be in that salt like you're supposed to be. You know what salt will make you want? Make you want some water. And you know what? They may not, you may lead them to the trough, and they may, may not want to drink. But you know what? You just be the salt, and they get around you long enough. They'll be wanting some water. They'll be wanting to get them some water. You know what they'll do? They'll look for the trough, and they'll start drinking. Because you lived a life that pleased God. Making memorials. There's tasks that must be performed. There's testimonies that must be proclaimed. Listen now, there's a thoroughness that must be persistent. I'm done. This thoroughness, what do you mean by thoroughness? What do you mean by that, Brother Paul? After you make a memorial. After you make it. They made it. You know what the Bible says they did at the closing of this chapter? They continued on and followed the Word of God. The Bible, listen to me. They making memorials today does not resent me from living my life for God tomorrow. Don't be guilty of making a memorial today and going back on God tomorrow. You know what they did? They made those memorials and they didn't live there. They didn't live there. They didn't let those memorials become a monument that they worshipped it and they never went no further with God and they lived right there and they said, this is as far as I'm going, right here at this memorial. You know what they did? That battle still fought. There's some land they still got to conquer. There's some areas they still got to go. You know what they did? Those memorials were not a stopping place. But those memorials were the place. Like a, like a, like a little uh, oasis in the middle of the desert. But God let them get a good cold drink of water. Let me say to you tonight, when you make a memorial, don't stop. Keep on going. You know why? Because there's some more memorials. That God wants you to come. Let me ask you tonight. Are you making memorials? Are you, are you making memories? Are you making, are you making decisions today that will help prepare you for the days ahead? I don't know what the days ahead has for our church. But I'm, listen, I'm more excited now than I've ever been before in my life. If I'm lying, I'm lying. Oh, y'all, y'all might be tired. I'm ready to go. I don't know what, I don't know what the days ahead hold. But I'm excited. You said, Brother Paul, things are bad. Well, is it all the Bible said it was? Out of all the time, preachers before us have preached about the coming of the Lord Jesus. I believe my generation is going to get to see it. See, my generation, though we're preaching the empty pews and we're not seeing people get saved, my generation could be very well be the generation that sees the Lord Jesus come back. He said this, when he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? I don't know about y'all, but when he comes back, I want him to be able to find faith in Mount Perrin Baptist Church. And so there was a preacher. He only preached to Hanson. But he stayed faithful. And he made some memorials, but while he was making them, he kept going to make more. But 
may bow your heads and eyes. We're going to pray. Brother Donnie, you come to the piano tonight, brother. Maybe somebody wants to pray. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I feel led to do that tonight.